Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. You know, we are watching in our society and our nation a very fluid situation that's unfolding. It's almost a moment-by-moment kind of situation. As we saw yesterday, you know, our church had planned to go forward with worship services this weekend uh, with necessary precautions to, you know, just kind of uh, be as careful as we could in hosting worship services here. And then in a moment, uh, with, with one executive order, all of that changed, and we were put under a mandate here that limited our capacity so much so that we said, hey, it's, it's not good for us to move forward in this time. We're going to have to reset, regroup, and rearrange a few things. And, and uh, so I want to give you some, some intended forward movement here this morning that'll maybe help you understand where we're going. Now, understand that all of this is subject to change depending on uh, the strides that are taken, but, but as, it, as it stands right now, we are working, first of all, to collect information with, uh, with the specifics to the ordinances that are imposed upon us now as far as public gatherings, uh, but we are working feverishly to put together a plan that will accommodate live worship services next Sunday morning. Now, as I'm talking about these things and I'm telling you what is and is not here in the life of this church, I want, to understand, I want you to understand that we still need to follow the protocol that was released earlier this week that would limit physical contact and that certainly those that are more susceptible um, to these types of viruses and things that maybe you would take an extra precaution and maybe staying away, especially if you have a compromised immune system. And then certainly beyond that, if you are sick, stay home, okay? But otherwise, following that protocol, this is our plan. Um, midweek services, I do feel that we will comfortably fit within the cap of attendance that we will have midweek activities here at the church. So Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock for our family night, we encourage you to come out. Uh, youth meetings, uh, those things of that nature will continue as much as you feel that it is safe for your group to do so, we do encourage that connect groups continue to meet and continue to have that fellowship together uh, in that small group setting. Uh, Pastor Lisa has asked me to mention, please, that the all-team brunch that is scheduled for Saturday morning is still on. So again, following the same protocol, if you feel comfortable with that and uh, you are not sick yourself, then we welcome you for that and we encourage you to be here. So um, one last thing here before we get into the Word. If you have by any chance uh, gotten on the online today uh, to, to figure out what we're doing about the Shonda Pierce concert scheduled for Friday evening, uh, we are in touch with the uh, promoters and we're trying to get things sorted out with them and we will give you that information as soon as we have it and also if you're watching with regard looking for information with regard to Joy Junction Child Care uh, we will be making those final decisions this afternoon after assessing the impact that school closures and such might have on our operation uh, but right now we're not prepared to make that call so uh, with that said, we're going to jump into the Word together today, and uh, I, I wish, because it's my nature and it's the way I do uh, a lot of my sermon preparation, that today I could tell you, would you turn with me in your Bible to a specific place, 
uh, but I can't do that this morning, so I'm going to ask you just to grab your Bible or your device, however you access the Scripture, and follow along with us because we're going to be covering a lot of territory today because here's what I understand in moments like this. In moments like this, I understand that I can try to devise a message or something of a sermonic flow that's going to encourage or challenge you, but I realize in this moment that there is nothing as powerful as the Word of the Lord. It doesn't need my commentary. It doesn't need a breakdown. All it needs to be is pronounced in these situations. And earlier this week, I had prepared a message with the intention to share with you today. But this week, as I watched things begin to unfold, I watched government entities and major organizations take unprecedented strides and closures and cancellations. People, do you understand today that the National Basketball Association is closed? Closed for business. So is the ML, uh, uh, National Hockey League. Various college conference tournaments have been canceled. The NCAA basketball tournament is canceled. For crying out loud, professional golf is canceled. Friends and neighbors are flooding the supermarkets and retailers the land over and they are taking every square of toilet tissue they can get their hands on every bottle of hand sanitizer, every slice of bread. And I'm going to be honest with you, I sat in my office on Thursday. Most of the time with my mouth agape, just trying to steady my thoughts as I watched what seemed like apocalyptic mayhem ensuing in our society. And the sad irony is this that we've seen things like the threat of this virus come against our land before, but with no ways the dramatic responses that we're seeing in people and from people in this hour. Every year, hardly nothing gets canceled because it's flu season, yet influenza kills tens of thousands of people on an annual basis. I'm here to tell you today, church, that What's happening is not really what's going on. And if you'll just follow with me, I'm going to qualify that statement in just a few minutes. But as Pastor Lisa and I walked through the grocery store this past Friday evening, a growing sense of concern began to stir in my heart as I looked at empty meat cases, dairy aisles, and I was stricken with the realization that the world around me was being gripped and fully driven by a complete sense of panic. It was in that moment that the Lord began to deal with my heart in a greater way concerning our time together today. And for those of you who are here with us today, I'm so happy that you were able to come and join us here in this place. And my prayer today is that as you leave this place, your hearts are encouraged and your faith is strengthened. And for those of you who are watching online today, let me simply say this. To exercise prudence in times like these is no less to walk in faith. To exercise caution and certainly to obey the law of the land is not a lack of faith, nor does that mean we're being motivated by fear. It's just simple, common sense and obedience to both the law of the land and the word of the Lord. 
Now, we can't wait until you're back here to fellowship with us again, and we are so looking forward to that moment. But in the meantime, we're thankful to be able to gather with you as we are. So, today's message is a message of faith over fear. And today's message, as many of my messages are, is a message of active faith. I want to turn your attention specifically this morning in the onset to the Psalms. And today I'm going to do two things. I want to encourage your heart for a few minutes with the word of the Lord. And this message, as I said, is going to be full of scripture. And there are a lot of things I can say today, but to hear from the word of the Lord is much more effective, I believe. And then I want to instruct your actions with that same word. So two things, I want to encourage your heart and I want to instruct your actions. You know, some of the most beloved psalms and some of the scriptures that we hold the dearest in our hearts in times and situations like these are the result of great stress, some of the greatest stress imaginable to be ushered into the human experience. Some of the most beautiful words are penned in the midst of some of life's most terrible and pressing situations. Oftentimes, as we read one psalmist in particular, as we read from David, it's often as it seems that David has jumped from the fire into the frying pan, so to speak, that he pens for us some of the most beautiful and most eloquent words of confidence and trust and reliance on Almighty God. Terrible situations that would plague his life. And uh, the psalmist often wrote, Many times it would seem as if calamity was about to overtake him. Betrayals were about to mortally wound him, or worse, his own family members were about to serve as the source of his demise. And it's from places like this that we find the psalmist writing, as he does in the 23rd Psalm, that says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside the still waters. For those of you that are troubled today, for those of you that are looking on at the world situation and the things that are unfolding on the world stages, I want to tell you today that there is rest, there is comfort, there is refreshment for the soul. And it's found in relying on our great shepherd. It's found in nothing less than Jesus Christ. And the psalmist continues here and says, He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And listen to this, church. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Church, today he's with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over, and surely, surely, how many of you today in this moment, in this season of life that we're in, are you looking at the situations that this world is affording us in this moment and saying, but surely, surely goodness and mercy will follow me 
all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, it was a terrible situation from which we see uh, David writing here in the 46th Psalm. And in Psalm 46, we read these words, and David says this, God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. There it goes again. We will not be afraid. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains are carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river. There it is again, that symbol of refreshment. He makes me to lie down in the green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved, and God shall help her just at the break of dawn. Listen, the nations raged, and the kingdoms were moved, but he uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. Church, we've got to believe that he's with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. And in a moment, we're going to be praying that he will make virus to cease to the ends of the earth. We pray today not only for this great nation of the United States of America, but we pray for China, we pray for Italy, we pray for those that are being affected so terribly and ravaged so harshly in this moment. The psalmist also says this in Psalm 56, and if you don't get anything else from here today, I want you to get this seed down deep in your heart. And the psalmist says this, and and I wish I had time this morning to go into the context from which this psalm was written. And if you've got some time on your hands this week, maybe you've been relieved of some duties. I want you to study this word here and look at the context where this comes from in David's life. He's in a terrible circumstance. A terrible situation. I'll give you just a brief snapshot. If you'll remember David and Goliath. David, uh, Goliath the giant was from a city called Gath. And at one point David is running for his life. He's being pursued by King Saul. And Saul is trying to kill him. And where does David run? To Gath. And ironically the people of that community recognize him. Now, what do you think they're thinking about David in this moment? King, do you realize that the man that killed our champion has now come to seek refuge in our city? What do we do with him? And David says these words, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? One last psalm here. And David pens these words and says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the the shadow of the Almighty. 
I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Surely he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilences. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Let me tell you something today, church. As NBC and CBS and CNN are trying to drive you insane, And believe you me, that's what's happening. As they are trying to fill you with fear and cause mayhem and trouble and all this stuff to ensue as a result, understand this, that we are to take our stand in the word of the Lord. We are to take our stand on the promises of God and not fear. We are to dwell in that place of promise. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Shield your mind today. The news is inescapable. It's all around us. But shield your mind today with the truth of his word. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near to you. Look at your neighbor right now and say, it ain't coming near to me. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. And church, I'm telling you today, this is the posture that we need to have. We, the people of faith, need to possess this posture in this moment. A solid confidence and trust in the power of God to protect his people. That when you pass through the waters, Isaiah says, uh, speaking for God, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flames will not set you ablaze. I, I encourage your heart today with that word. I encourage your being today, when you walk out of this place and the world tries to consume you with fear, I challenge you with this word today. Stand in it, rest in it. Find your confidence in it. And now I want to spend a few minutes instructing your actions. Now I've got to say that over the past several years, I've watched many things pass through this land that was supposed to wipe humanity from the face of the earth. You know, it's almost like with every new thing, we forget the past thing. But we were all supposed to die from Ebola. We were all supposed to die from E. coli. Several people did die from the H1N1 virus that swept through several years. Tens of thousands of people perished in that. There was anthrax. There was all these things that was supposed to just annihilate masses of humanity. Yet, we haven't seen some of the extreme measures that are being taken at this point in any crisis ever. 
And those of you who know me and those of you that have followed my teaching for any time, you understand, you know that I'm not given to sensationalizing the world events in order to get people all hyped up about things and make people ask unnecessary questions and wring their hands. I believe that's reckless and irresponsible. And I'm not here to interject my suspicions about the issues at hand, and I'm not really prepared to speak with great specificity about what I think is really happening, but let me tell you these couple of things. I believe that what we're seeing unfold before us is so much bigger in the grand scheme of things than helping a society with the avoidance of a respiratory virus. We've had flu seasons for centuries that have claimed tens of thousands of life and lives annually. And I'm by no means trying to minimize the severity of this virus and its potential effects. But we've had many strains of other infectious disease that have made their way through with lots of fatalities. But never have we been mandated not to meet. Never has there been a nation who worships so deeply before the God of athletics seen or been willing for their beloved institutions to close up and cease to operate. But we're seeing in this hour how easily and how readily an entire society can be controlled. I know that you may be finding it hard in this present time to find the things that you need in the store and you're not sure how you're going to juggle your job and your kids who are out of school but I want to tell you something today I believe there is so much more at stake here than our personal inconveniences and for those of you who are filling social media with your understanding of constitutional law and you're so short-sighted that you can't see beyond the supposed infringements on the freedom of speech and the separation of church and state or the right to peaceful assembly, then you need to understand that there's something happening here of greater consequence than the simple infringement on our rights. This is spiritual. What's happening around us is spiritual. And, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm reluctant oftentimes to speak in these terms or appear to have a knee-jerk reaction because, of, because it seems like all my life, every grand world event, I can remember sitting in driver's ed class at 15 years old. And the question of the day in 1991 was, do you think Saddam Hussein is the Antichrist? Because with every great world shift and adversity, there's always been a group of people in the church that try to draw out of it or read into it something of an apocalyptic nature. And the problem is that when this happens all the time, if you'll remember from, from the fables about the little boy that cried wolf, after a while, all of this stuff just begins to be noise. 
And then it's like Peter said that in the last days there will come scoffers who say, where is this coming of the Lord? Because since the days that our fathers have slept, everything continues on as it always has been and none of this ever comes to pass. You see, when we stand up to prophesy and we stand up to say this is what we see unfolding, we need to be ready that if it doesn't materialize, we need to be ready to retract our statements and say that we were wrong. And I'm prepared to. But I'm not claiming anything in the immediate. I'm just telling you that what you see going on around you today is the shape for something very different than this world has ever known before. And I'm going to say it here, that this world, when you're looking around and you're seeing government shut down houses of worship, when you're seeing major entities with the snap of a finger drop and bow, and yield, you are seeing a society that is being massaged for the introduction and the infusion of an antichrist system. Read your Bible. Read the book of Revelation if you don't know what I'm talking about. And you'll understand it. And I'm not trying to scare anybody today. I'm not trying to frighten you, but I'm just being as honest as I know how to be. Because let it not be said of this preacher the time ran out and we spent all of our time discussing trivial matters when eternity is at hand I do want to tell you today that I feel confident in stating in general terms that what you're seeing unfold on the world scenes today is setting the stage for end time events to be ushered in. I don't know a time. I don't claim to know a time. And I'm not entering into any foolishness of trying to speculate a timeline. But this is what I want to tell you. And, and one of the reasons that I'm often reluctant to mention these things is because we as a church can get so distracted by those things things that aren't going to unfold until after we're gone and we can get so distracted and fixated on those things that we forget our mission and our purpose while we're here and our mission and our purpose while we're here is this that as long as the church is here it has a purpose and it is to shine the light of him who has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light we are called to be the salt and the light in this generation and I know that none of you want to be facing things that you're facing at the present time, but suffice it to say that before this thing is over, I believe there's going to be a grand opportunity for the church of the living God to extend a powerful witness to a world that is hurting, confused, and seeking. And we need not be so baffled by the fact that our lives are momentarily inconvenienced we need not be so baffled by that fact that we're missing the opportunities to share the greatest hope known to humanity. We need not be so preoccupied with the noise of political narratives and with churches who are uh, more spiritual or less spiritual based on whether they've chosen to obey the law today or not. 
We don't need to be so preoccupied with that noise that we can't hear the still, small voice of the Lord that would guide our conversation with our neighbors, friends, and co-workers in order to be able to share life and share hope with them. If this weekend shows us anything as a church, it shows us that our reply to the need of those around us needs to be greater than an invitation to Sunday morning church service. Now, I invite people to church. I, I am unashamedly a promoter of local church service and local church attendance. And I believe that every believer ought to find a body and get plugged into that body and serve together with that body for the advancement of kingdom purposes in its respective communities. But 1 Peter chapter 3 says this, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that's in you. Church, I've told you on the onset of this message that based on the promise of the word of the Lord and based on the surety of his character and his person, we need to walk through this trial in confidence. And when the rest of the world around us is asking and saying, hey, what's the matter with you? You seem to be relatively calm in the midst of all of this. We need to be ready to drop an answer that says, I know whom I have believed in. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until the day of Christ Jesus. And if you've got just a few minutes to listen to somebody who knows what's going on, I want to tell you about my friend Jesus so that you can know the same peace that I know now. During this time of great uncertainty, we are to be a people filled with hope. There was a 40-something year tenure of stability, godliness in the, in the kingdom of Israel. There was a good and godly king by the name of Uzziah. And the day came when Uzziah died. And if you can imagine, if you can think of times of national upheaval and unrest and just the uncertainty, put your mind back to 9-11 when, when the world was just in chaos and nobody knew what was happening next. This is where Isaiah was. This is the point that his nation, his nation is plunged in turmoil in this moment because so many times they've had wicked kings arise that have led the nation astray and they've been led into captivity as a punishment for it and all these different things have been going on and nobody knows what's coming next. Nobody knows what's around the corner, but God gives the prophet Isaiah a vision in that hour, in that moment. In Isaiah chapter 6, we read these words. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. High and exalted, seated on the throne. Come on, somebody. And the train of his temple, his train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each one had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
The church, listen to me. Things going on in the world that we don't understand. I get that. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. And if we were to see the heavens parted today, I don't believe we'd see God roaming around in heaven, wringing his hands and trying to figure out what's going on and what his contingency is in response. I believe we'd see exactly what Isaiah saw. We'd see the Lord high and lifted up, seated securely as the sovereign over all of creation. And his glory and the radiance of his being just filling the place so much so that every creature was there before the throne of God crying out and saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. What then shall we say to these things? Paul asks, Rhetorically, of course, and begging for our question. This question is weighted with anticipation. Paul says, what, what then shall we say to these things? And the people say, I don't know, what, what shall we say to these things? Paul says, I'm glad you ask. Because if God is for us, who can stand against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who has been raised to life and is at the right hand of God is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or empty toilet paper aisles or empty meat shelves suspensions of school systems restrictions on houses of worship what then shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sakes we face death all day long and we are considered to be sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And Paul concludes with this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, nor things present, nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So today, church, we stand firmly in the promises of God. stand firmly in the promises of God and in that let us be a people of prayer for the weapons of our warfare 
are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Every vain thought and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. These things, these terrors, these, these, this unrest that's going on in our world today, it is exalting itself against the lordship and the sovereignty of God. But through prayer, we lay hold of the spiritual weapons and we pull those things down. They crumble before us. This is how we fight our battles. We fight our battles on our knees. We fight our battles in a posture of praise, just like we've been this morning, with hands upraised and saying, God, I surrender to you. And by virtue of my surrender to you, oh God, I know that I'm in the palm of your hand and nothing's going to separate me. I'm sure about tomorrow because I'm sure of the character of God. Not because I know what's going to happen, but because I'm sure of the character and the promise of God. Let us be a confident people. Let us be a prayerful people. And let us be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in us. Because church, I think it's A.W. Tozer that everybody's been quoting this week. But a scared world needs a strong church. And let us be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in us. Let us be led by the power of the Holy Spirit in word, in witness, and in deed. Finally, the Lord says to Joshua, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of a good courage. Be strong, church, and of a good courage. Those of you that are listening online, be strong and of a good courage. Our God is mighty. Our God is powerful. Let me invite you to stand with me here. And let's lift our voices together. We're going to conclude here in a moment with just a, 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 a chorus of praise to the Lord. Say, thank you, Jesus. Church, we, we don't need to wring our hands. We don't need to worry. We need to exercise caution. We need to be smart. Sure. Nowhere in the Bible are we commanded for foolishness. But we rest in assurance in Him. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask this question. If you're here today or you're watching online, and feel free to comment if you are, and you say, Pastor, as you were speaking today, something identified in my heart with what you were saying about things that are going on in this world. And I, I just felt the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And I'm not sure that I'm ready for those things. I'm not sure that I'm in right relationship with God today. I want to tell you that it's as simple as this. 1 John 1, 9 says this. 
that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here today and that's you and you say, I want to be sure that I'm ready for whatever tomorrow holds and I want the confidence that you've talked about today, I can tell you that it only comes through an active relationship with Jesus Christ. Confessing Him as Lord and Savior of your life. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us and we hope you have a blessed day.